everyone. I'm Ian. I'm Sam. Listening to Do I Like This, the podcast. As the podcast where I stumble into movies I've watched in the past 25 odd years and make Sam watch them. And I put up with it for some reason. Because you love me. Mm. The answer is yes. (laughs) So this week we watched the 1985, I guess it's not a spoiler, Haunted House classic house house is it a haunted house according to imdb tagline which this week thank you a one sentence tagline to anonymous a troubled writer moves into a haunted house after inheriting it from his aunt yeah yeah that's that definitely yeah that's the basics so first of all i totally recognize this cover from the vhs browsing back in the day when I was a kid, it kind of reminds me of the art from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. A little bit, the hand. The hand yeah. It's a hand, yeah. disembodied zombie hand ringing a doorbell. One of my favorite posters slash covers out there. So yeah, so this movie, I was like, oh, okay, I've, I've seen this cover. It was sort of like Reanimator. Like, oh, I've seen the cover. I've always yeah. kind of wanted to see it. Uh, this should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing I have to say... <laughs> Is we watched this movie separately because our wild child has been wild. And so I was in bed with headphones on watching it. And instead of writing anything down, because I usually use my little smart notebook, mm-hmm. I was doing voice notes, like talk talk to text in my phone. So it's <laughs> it's like nine pages of running commentary of me just talking to myself basically as the movie is going on. So my notes are misspelled bad grammar, uh, which only bothers me, I'm sure. You said to me in the car ride today that you hit the word limit for the notes app on your phone and had to open a second one. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I don't know what the word limit is, but I reached it. So there's a lot of notes, so I'm going to try to pick and choose (laughs) because... (laughs) You probably don't want to hear every single little thought in my head as I was watching this. I'm like, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. (laughs) If you do, send us an email. Sam will send you her notes. (laughs) You can try to read them. (laughs) They're legible. They're just... I just meant the spelling. Oh, no. It's not even that because it was talk to text. So some of the words are not the right words. Or it hears my, my New York accent and makes up words or makes up phrases. And if I didn't catch it, I didn't edit it. So we'll see what pops up here. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive right in because this movie's got a lot. Yeah. So it gets right to it, which I like. Mm-hmm. So we have like the creepy fun house type haunted house music. I love it so much. It's just a bunch of close-ups of the house over the opening credits, which I was like, all right, all right, all right. Come on, come on, come on. It's like a creepy mansion castle in some shots. And then in other shots, it's like a little suburban Victorian looking home. I love this house. Yeah, it's very cool. This is um, like my dream house. Well, it's funny because <laughs> they're panning over like white lattice with beautiful rose bushes and it's like <laughs> yeah. like scary music and so it was it and it was like light out and like birds chirping and so it didn't match and so it made me laugh and I'm like okay, this this will be fun. <laughs> it was it was definitely a comical uh contrast mm-hmm. in that opening. Yeah. 
And then we get a little guy rides up on a moped delivering groceries. Hold on. It's it's just like a teenager. <laughs> Let me clarify a little guy. Little guy. He's he's a young guy. <laughs> I wrote my I I said in my notes, little guy on a red moped. <laughs> All right. So that's where I got that from. So he knocks on the door and the door opens. So he just goes in. Dude, this had the decoys uh, written uh, all over it where we talked yes. about you do not enter creepy houses where the doors just open when you knock on them. Yeah, no. And then follow farther upstairs. Right. That staircase looks like the staircase from Psycho where it goes up and then it turns. Yeah. And. You don't go there. Right. And he kind of starts to go up the stairs. He sees this painting kind of as like a Salvador Dali oh, type awesome. creepy painting. I want it. Which is cool. Like the paintings in this are, are pretty neat. Uh, and he's like, ooh. And so he yells out. He's like, Mrs. Hooper, it's me, the grocery boy. Yeah, not John, <laughs> the grocery boy. Just me, grocery boy. I'm nameless. I am grocery boy. Uh, which made me laugh. I have multiple laugh emojis after that. That's the other funny thing about these voice notes is that I also could put emojis in it. So oh, I have like, that's fun. <laughs> like emojis for my mood in that moment. <laughs> I thought the moment that he was just named Grocery Boy, he was not long for this this world. Oh, that's what I thought too. Like, oh, they're not giving him a name. They're going to kill him, right? But we get something weirder than that. So he goes upstairs and he goes into a bedroom. And it looked like a couple of things were knocked over. There was like a lamp on the floor, yeah. right? He kind of looks around, and then he sees an old lady dead hanging from a noose from the ceiling. And she's swinging aggressively. So yes. it either just happened, or somebody killed her, and they're, like, playing tetherball with her body. Like, the house. Absolutely. Right. And I was like, whoa, that is a way to start a movie. It is. Because that's the last thing I expected was a little old lady who just died by suicide. No, I expected this kid to yeah. get somehow consumed or killed by the house going into this i didn't expect it to be like gory or scary so much the way it starts off i was like oh this is going to be creepy because it was pretty creepy which i actually kind of appreciate in a horror comedy establishing the horror first so can i just say right now i didn't know walking into this it was a horror comedy I just thought it was a horror movie. I thought I told you, but I might be mistaken. I try not to tell you much about the films. So when it does an abrupt turn into comedy later on that I wasn't expecting, I was a little annoyed. So now we cut to a funeral, and there's only three people there. It's Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who I'm guessing must be the old lady's neighbors, and Roger, who is the dead lady's nephew. Yep. Roger, his name is Roger Cobb, and from what I gather, he he is a horror author. It's just not very clear at first. They just his book looks like it has a has blood on it. So I just was like, oh, he yeah. must be a horror author. And so like the neighbors, Mister Jones says something about. He says, you know, this is so unlike your your aunt was such a normal person. You know, she wasn't crazy and like her. And he goes, oh, now my wife, she's crazy. That's what he says. The that's terrible right. throwaway joke. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, as his wife is sobbing hysterically. So, it's like, oh, that's kind of sad. The little old lady only had, like, one friend. Yeah. We hard cut to Roger. He's at a book signing. Oh, my. And the people are so weird. It's so 1985. It's, It's like a strange motley crew of characters that are coming through. There's, like... A guy who looks like a sea captain. There's some punk rockers. This guy I'm pretty sure was a serial killer. Yeah. 
With a, he was I like will a, treasure this book forever and walks away. He was away. like a, a Patrick Bateman type. Yeah. There's some computer nerds. And there's a, a woman who's obsessed with his divorced wife. Right. So his ex-wife is an actress named Sandy Sinclair, who we get introduced to shortly. The people are like, what is your next book going to be? And he's like, it's going to be about my experiences in Vietnam. And his and his agents at his shoulder are like, no, don't fucking tell them that. And they're all just like, oh, totally unenthused. Yeah. Again, this is the mid-80s. Yeah. So it's not too far removed from Vietnam, but it's far enough where we we hear the agent later say, like, people are done with Vietnam. Like, yeah. they're super saturated at this point. People were done when the war was still going well, on. A lot of them. So that's kind of that perspective of it. There's a whole. He kind of pushes this whole, like, I need to do this for me thing. And it becomes a subplot in this movie. So Roger's agent, they're talking about um, his book is very late. It Mm -hmm. needs to be turned in on time. And his agent's like, dude, nobody wants to read a book about Vietnam. And Roger's like, well, it's happening. Yeah. Because like Ian just said. He needs to do it for himself. He's obviously had some sort of trauma. Um, we get a whole face full of what his trauma was. It's like the longest, slowest, fakest, weirdest, trying to be like full metal jacket experience. Oh my god! Should <laughs> we talk so about it now, weird. or should we talk about no, it? No, no, we'll get we'll get into it. Okay, because I have lots of thoughts on that, and I will only give you guys the truncated versions. But we also got a little hint in this scene of, I know you've lost so much with your wife leaving, and that there's this hinted at something bigger being an issue. Yes. And so we get that in, in a minute. So we see Roger at home. His <laughs> fridge is filled with hungry mans. Well, dude, it cannot which, be healthy eating that many. It's packed. Every centimeter of that fridge is packed. Listen, they just needed you to know that he was a bachelor in the 80s. Achieved. Every bachelor in the 80s had a fridge full of hungry man dinners. I guess so. Yeah. As a child bachelor in the 80s, I did not. <laughs> I used to love TV dinners. When oh, I, I loved them too. Oh, my God. That fucking disgusting gravy and the terrible brownie oh the brownie i used to love the apples with cinnamon i love the creamed corn oh yeah it's always so good so good yeah we used to get the ones that had like the cartoon like bear and stuff i don't remember i remember it was like blue ish the box it was like a it was like a treat when we could have one of those because my mom was not into feeding us that sort of stuff Uh, is it too hard to burn? Probably. It was like impossible <laughs> to ruin. <laughs> so she was like, Get not in my, my house. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want predictability. <laughs> oh, now I kind of want like a TV dinner. I know. Actually, that was what this triggered in the me The cream too. corn with the gross brownie. Like, yeah. And everything kind of like touching oh, a little bit. So good. So That's good. Bad. So bad. I loved his... 80s computer <gasps> i wrote that oh my god old school computer oh so glorious and it's like in like a living room area too yeah. i loved it and it's like the big boxy beautiful when you met me if i had busted out one of those be like hey babe i'm leaving my computer here <laughs> and move in so i can play pong you wouldn't have been able to carry it up the stairs to my no apartment. no i would have been like hey babe i'm leaving it in your downstairs shed I'm leaving it in the broken down car out back. <laughs> the, exactly. neighbors, the neighbors, the neighbors, garbage car. <laughs> Wait, you're selling that? Oh, okay. Now I'm interested. No, it wasn't that. It, the neighbors were like, oh, is that broken down? Can I buy it? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, neighbors, 
for oh, that one kindness. Fuck them so hard. They were the worst neighbors I've ever had in my life. That's the entire story. They yeah. bought our broken car the moment we mentioned it was broken. Yeah, because they needed another broken piece of crap in their yard. So, I don't know what I wrote here. He should be working on his book, Ben Studies, called his puppy at the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hold I on. know what you're out. I think I know what I tried to but say. But I wish he called a puppy at the <laughs> FBI because um, that would be the best FBI agent out there. I think I know what I was saying. It's, I have to think of it like phonetically. <laughs> he should be working on his book, but instead he calls his buddy at the yeah. FBI. But it's not his buddy. It's no. an agent. And he it's something about his son. Yeah. We don't know yet. I wrote kidnapped. Who knows? That was my guess too. Yeah. Missing was my guess. Yeah. Because I'm pr- I was like, oh, I'm sure he's not dead if he's calling looking for information. As it was first happening, I was like, you can just call up the FBI like right. this? Well, first, get an first agent he- from a secretary? Well, and then the FBI guy's like, you need to stop calling the CIA. Oh, yeah, I know. He's like, <laughs> do me a favor. Stop harassing so-and-so at the CIA. Oh, God, it was really funny. To be fair, if, I, if my kid was theoretically missing and they were the ones looking at him, I'd be calling him every day. Every day. Right, if I had the inside line. Yeah. Same. So then Roger hangs up and his phone starts ringing. And somehow, because caller ID wasn't a thing back then, as far as I know, he knows it's his ex-wife calling. So he runs over to the radio and he cranks it up real loud. And he answers the phone like, oh, hello. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So he's like pretending he has a bunch of friends over like a loser. And she's like, "Um, oh, hi, I'm calling from the awards party. Legitimately, she's in a gown calling for a payphone at an awards yeah, ceremony. And, but she called it the awards party. Yeah. And I'm like, which awards, Sandy? Doesn't matter because she lost. Yeah. Didn't so, win. Uh, so she's on the payphone with him. And he's like pretending like he's got buddies over playing poker. And some random guy comes up to Sandy and he like puts his arm around her. And the photographer's taking pictures while she's on the payphone. Yeah. Like talking on the payphone. And... It's really bizarre, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Birdemic, where, like, why are you taking pictures of this woman on a payphone at an awards show, which I'm assuming is, like, the Emmys kind of thing, and it's, like, it's like in Birdemic, where the girl got her Victoria's Secret cover glamour shots done at the one-hour photo. I like, still stand <laughs> by the quality of that one-hour photo. Um so, you know, they're obviously still obsessed with each other. This is setting this up. My God, I wrote the exact same thing. I was like, they still yeah. love each other. Is right. this going to be a thing? That's yep. what this is setting up. So, you know, they get off the That phone, and the fact that our main guy cannot uh, convincingly fake having a, a poker game. Oh, it's really sad. Because she's she obviously is like... Oh, are they? Yeah. Are they like? Are they really there? Because she's like, which friends? Yeah, Roger, and he's like, uh, the guys. The guys, and she's like, oh, yeah, okay. She's like, I'm not gonna ask more questions because I feel bad yeah, for you. Because now I feel sadness inside of me. <laughs> I kind of did too. It was really kind of pathetic. Yeah. Listen, I get it. We've all been like in a weird spot where we like are trying to like should like play off like we're cool to somebody or whatever, but. Hey, every time my ex calls from the awards party, I, I get really weird. Same. <laughs> it's so awkward. <laughs> Can't believe she can still find a payphone. So Roger's asleep and he's dreaming of being in the jungle, which is what I wrote. Like the jungle? Is that what that is? So I thought we were going to get a Vietnam flashback here. Yeah. This could have not okay. been in the movie and it would have been fine. Absolutely. 
it could have done without it. So he's in the jungle and there's a little kid playing with a car next to a grave, like marked with a, like a wooden cross. Yep. And then a dead zombie hand shoots up and Roger wakes up and he has many revelations in this movie, but his first revelation is he packs up all of his clothes and he leaves. So I assume he's going to Dude, the haunted house. If I packed up my shit every time a spooky dream woke me up. Yeah. I assumed he was going to the haunted house yeah. because that's where he ultimately winds up. And I'm right because the house is in the next frame. So in the shot, he's meeting with the realtor at his aunt's house. And the realtor is like, oh, it's going to sell. We can sell all this garbage in here. This, all this crap and the crazy lady and blah, blah, blah. And people are just like talking shit about his aunt. And, like, oh, Yeah not even giving a shit that that's his aunt. That house is gorgeous. Oh, the I love inside this house. is filled with like mahogany, beautiful things, art, whatever. He seems very disturbed when he walks in mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh, did we have like, did he have like haunted experiences as a child? Cause that would have been fucking awesome. No, that's not it. There's a giant marlin on one wall oh, that I his uncle it. killed, which we will see again. And was a U.S. record for like two years. Yeah. Roger tells the realtor, oh, I grew up in this house. My mom died. And so my aunt raised me. Mm -hmm. And then the realtor's like, oh, okay. <laughs> my bad. Maybe I should back off. <laughs> so they go out into the backyard and the backyard does not match the house. It's amazing. At all. The backyard does not match that house. So that's like a Beverly Hills grotto with that right, pool. Right. It looked like the Playboy Mansion in the yeah. backyard um, with some white lattice and rose bushes. But like Ian said, it's like a grotto for a pool. The inside of the house is like fancy old antiques and the outside is Playboy Mansion. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, but it was just kind of funny. So then we have what turns out to be a flashback. Because suddenly, Roger is aggressively trimming a tree with some uh, hedge clippers. I thought at first, we just moved forward and he was just living in the house again. Because <laughs> yeah, he looks exactly the same. That's what I thought, too. It was really weird. Yeah. And what I assume, and I was correct in assuming, is his son sitting mm -hmm. behind him. This is Jimmy. Roger turns around. And when he turns back, Jimmy's gone. For like a second. For like a second. So he runs out to the front of the house and a car is peeling away. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, someone kidnapped his kid. Mm, but then his wife comes out and he's like, did you, Sandy, have you seen Jimmy? And she's like, no. And then they both just like run around looking for him. And I'm like, dude, why has why is no one chasing that car? Yeah. But the car was a red herring. It was incredibly suspicious. Yeah. So Roger runs into the backyard and he sees Jimmy flailing around in the pool. So he jumps into the pool mm -hmm. to save him, but nobody's in the pool. And... The one comment I had was that the pool is bigger on the inside. It's like a TARDIS pool. Yeah. Because it's it's pretty small. I mean, it's not tiny, but it's pretty small, like, from the outside. Mm -hmm. But when he's in it, it's, like, 50 it's feet It's like he's deep. swimming in an aquarium. Yeah. yeah. It's enormous. And I was like, whoa, that's a big-ass pool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's got some uh, girth. At this point, I actually wrote in my notes, the house took the kid, right? Like, well, hey, yeah, the movie's obviously. called House, so right. I knew that, but. Right. And and it's set up fairly early that yeah. he's going to be searching for his child. He's at the house where his yeah. child disappeared. His grandma died mysteriously, but not really mysteriously, but mysteriously. So, yeah. Now we're back to Roger and the realtor. No longer in the flashback. He's in the shed. Mm -hmm. Pretty awesome shed. 
the realtor's talking about selling things and making money, blah, blah, blah. He's mm-hmm. carrying a harpoon gun around in a way that seems very dangerous. And, yeah. at, and I wrote, he's carrying the harpoon gun in a way that seems very dangerous. Oh, my God. He almost just shot Roger and neither of them have an appropriate reaction. What the no, fuck? <laughs> they do not react at all. He accidentally released a spear gun. It, land, it like embeds right next to Roger's head in a, in like a post. And Roger just kind of looks at it and it's like... While that happened, and the realtor's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. literally, he's like, goofy times. But it's just so funny because my reaction was, I was saying it, and then it happened, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm not and it's like one sentence with no punctuation. So here's where we see his aunt was a painter, and she's oh, painting all these Salvador Dali looking the paintings. Best paintings, yeah, I love them. Um, in this movie. They're very creepy. They're super fun. They're looking at this canvas in the shed that uh, was her final painting that she was mm-hmm. still working on, and that's where we hear roger tell the realtor you know my aunt thought this house was haunted and mm. i'm like duh but whatever so then we're flashing back again to when jimmy disappeared and roger's insisting that he saw his son in the pool and mm-hmm. the cops are there and he's talking to the cops and the aunt just like creeps in behind them and she's like smiling and she's like it was the house the house did it <laughs> she's so fun she is very fun we don't get much of her but no. she's really delightful when we do and then sandy the wife, the ex-wife, she just loses her fucking mind and starts like yelling. Yeah. And then the aunt's just like, mm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and that's the end of the flashback. It was very bizarre. It was bizarre. I enjoyed it. Uh, so here's where I said, okay, I'm pausing to make a prediction. So obviously the house is the culprit. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't even really care that much. All I know is that he's going to get his son back in the end and he and his wife are going to reconcile and I'm going to be annoyed by that. But let's just keep going. Was I right? We'll find out. (laughs) Stay tuned. Let me just say, you're not wrong. (laughs) Lots of stuff happens in between. So it's late at night. Roger's on his computer, staring at the screen where the only thing that has been typed is the title of the book, which is like my experiences in Vietnam or something. It's not a strong title. No, not at all. He starts looking around the house at all the weird shit. He stabs his finger on a shark tooth. Oh, yeah dumb and i and so i wrote oh so now the house has his blood because right? i thought maybe it would be like a a thing that happened like oh maybe house chum yeah it'll make like a doppelganger of him or you know i don't know something oh i would have liked that but nothing comes of that unfortunately so he hears a noise upstairs and he starts yelling hello because that's what you do in a horror movie and so he decides to go up and search around mm-hmm. and so here's where we see the bedroom so one of the bedrooms is obviously a child's room and probably his child So he's hearing noises in the room where his aunt died, which was her bedroom. So he walks in and he sees her, Mm -hmm. like a full body apparition. And she says, the house won. It tricked me. And it's going to trick you. And as she's saying it, she's putting the noose on and she's tightening it. And then she jumps and disappears. Yeah. And I loved that. Fun scene. Because it was very creepy. And I was like, oh, I'm getting like a little Hill House vibe from this. Like, it's like real creepy. And I was hoping that it would stay creepy. It gave me like Seventh Guest vibes. I don't know if you've ever played Seventh oh, Guest yeah, or Love yeah. yeah. It gave me like the vibes from like the uh-huh. way she looked and was talking, like the, some of the ghosts you would see in that when the full motion video would kick in. Yeah. The next morning. Wait, wait. Can we talk about he of all the beds he chooses, he then goes and sleeps in the child's baseball bed. Yeah, I actually have a note about that, but I was like, no, this is just too much commentary, but you're right. Uh, No, I think it's worth talking about because he (laughs) sleeps in it multiple times. He's a grown man. It's a small bed. It's a tiny ass bed. Many beds in this house. It's just 
Roger's in a bad place. Yeah. Listen, I would probably be in a bad place too. Fair. So Ian, you know what we have to talk about now. So he rocks for many scenes, the deepest V-neck sweater. Sweater. No undershirt I've ever seen. Sweater. It was the deepest V-neck sweater almost down almost to the damn deep. belly button. Yeah. Um, I wrote, holy fuck that V. <laughs> <laughs> and it was shocking when it came onto the scene. So my notes say, wait, was that ever a thing? I don't feel like it was unless you're Dave. And yes. to anyone who doesn't know the reference to Dave and the Deep V, you need to go watch the show Happy Endings. It's on Netflix now. It's one of the funniest shows that was ever on television Ugh. that unfortunately got canceled. Well, it was, three seasons. Four, it was three or four seasons, right? Yeah, three seasons. It was very funny. Delightful, um, amazing cast. Yeah, very good. And the Deep V is a great running joke. The Deep V. But this is the deepest V. This is the v. deepest V. This was Dave's dad. <laughs> Bad. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> what I was not okay with is that <clears throat> they dressed him in this, and then they're like, we're going to have you in this for like 40 Half minutes the movie, of the movie. Right, so that we would have to keep looking at it. It was distracting every time it was on screen. Oh, my God. What it didn't distract was the sexy jogger. She was all in. Right. She runs by, and then Norm from Cheers, the next door neighbor, comes out, and- Shit talks his aunt too. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that kooky lady. She's fucking crazy. Or whatever. His name is Harold. Yep. Harold. And I fucking hate him. I hate him so much. He's the worst neighbor, the worst friend. Oh, he's garbage. I hate this role. Yeah. He's not likable, is what Ian is trying to say. And he's a stalker. He with is no a boundaries. Stalker. Hard. Versus the stalkers with boundaries. <laughs> really. Right. Well, because you know yeah, that you know. stalkers have great boundaries. So this guy is like, oh, you're the horror writer. You're my favorite. Will you sign my book? And he pulls out of his pocket just like a wad of papers. And he's like, oh, I've read it so many times. And I'm like, I keep it in my pocket all the time. And I just happen to run into you. Are you so fucking kidding me? They're always in his pants. Well, Loose. If you love an author, you respect the book. You don't tear it to shreds. I've read books which I've like worn out, but right. it's not loose pages. They're just, you know, it's a little right. beat up. Um, So he's like talking, 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 and Roger's not interested in him. And he starts talking about, uh, I'm here for solitude. Yeah. Solitude. Yeah. Solitude. And then Harold is finally like, oh, okay, sure. But he obviously just doesn't get it. Yeah. So now it's nighttime. He's at his old school computer. Again, still has not typed anything. His deep V is incredibly distracting. Oh, it's so deep. So deep. We're having another jungle flashback. All right. This one is more more stuff. Yeah. Um, can we just talk about the absolute garbage sets that these are set in? It looks like they shot them in Legends of the Hidden Temple. Like Yeah, it was it was almost like um the first troll movie. Yes. Where the where the bedrooms have all the fake plants hanging around. That's what this looked like. It just it yeah. looks I understand it's a budget, but it's so fake. Just go out in the woods. And it was like a very small set, obviously, too. It oh, was yeah. just like a little clearing. So this is where we get like the beginning of the Vietnam storyline. Roger and his platoon, it. for lack of a better word. I don't know what they were, but sure. Everybody's dirty and sweaty. We get Hightower from Night Court. 
whose name I don't, Richard Mall. That just popped in my head. Is that his name? It might be. Maybe. Maybe. And if I'm wrong, correct me. And if I'm not, high five. There's no way they would know. <laughs> um, so high, I call him Hightower the whole time. I used to love Night Court. So, you know. Uh, he's real angry about everything. Dude, he real angry. is a weird character. In he's this. not okay. And like I said, this is kind of where they're doing the whole like full metal jacket shtick. Not not the beginning where they're in boot camp, like the rest of it. So he like tries to play a prank on Roger and the lieutenant is like not having it. And it looked like Hightower was about to snap and murder everyone. Yeah. I just assumed that he was just going to kill everybody and that would be the trauma, but it's not. No. <laughs> um, so at this point, a hand grenade rolls into view and they're getting ambushed. And Heist Tower just starts doing the Jesse Ventura from Predator. Yeah. With the with the automatic gun just like spraying the jungle. I call it the John screaming. Cena because apparently none of the Viet Cong could see him to shoot him because he's just standing up tall man in a clearing. Yeah, it, it was kind of silly. But he they won, I guess. I don't know. He sure. he won. Uh, as much as we won in the Vietnam War. <laughs> yes, as much as one could have won, which was... Yeah. Nobody won. Nobody won. Nobody won. <laughs> so now we're back in the haunted house, and Roger sees a creepy apparition of Jimmy outside the window. Oh, so creepy. And he turns Jimmy's apparition off with the TV remote. And the face, the emoji that I put was... I'm going to show Ian the face. Yeah. It's the remote control from Adam Sandler's click, apparently. God. Roger starts venturing upstairs to explore again. Here's where I wrote, dude, if I were him, I would have been gone from that house. Oh, yeah. The moment I saw an apparition of Aunt Elizabeth hanging herself and telling me to get out. Yeah, that's good enough. um, Good enough advice for me. Yep. Bye. I'm out of here. Okay, hold on, Ian. This next scene. Holy fuck, what is happening? Yeah. I wrote HOLD UP in all caps. He's brushing his teeth. Yeah. He puts the toothpaste inside of his mouth. Yeah. And then he puts the toothbrush in his mouth to begin to brush. It's not a thing. Who does that? Is that a thing? It's like turning on the shower while you're inside of the shower. What kind of monster is he? Is he the is he the monster that lives in the house? Uh, my only explanation for that is by being in that house, it turns you into someone who puts the toothpaste in their mouth and then starts brushing because it's insanity. Yeah, I was horrified, like totally horrified. One of the scariest things in the movie. Absolutely. That's why I asked if he was the monster because <laughs> I don't understand that behavior. In any way whatsoever, he's a fucking psychopath. That should go into the the criteria in the next DSM. <laughs> All points are valid. <laughs> I will file. I will file a request with the board. <laughs> Suddenly, while he's brushing his teeth like a psychopath, he has a revelation and goes into Aunt Elizabeth's room. That's his aunt's name, by the way. Oh, we haven't already said it. It's Aunt Elizabeth. I don't know when I found it out, but I just started writing it on the last page. So he goes to her closet and he opens it and there's nothing inside. And so I'm wondering, like, what made him think he to go to the closet in the first place? My first thought was it was just like a door deeper into the house. I didn't realize because the way he was treating it, like getting close to it, I'm like, what room is this leading off into? I was confused, but 
Whatever. I was expecting a Narnia closet. And you know what? You kind of get one. Yeah. I actually kind of predicted that not one. Not yet. So I don't know what he thought was going to happen. So he closes the door. And mm. then suddenly the super cool grandfather clock starts chiming. Oh, it's such that's a midnight. Cool clock. I want it. So then he suddenly goes back and opens the closet again. Like, yep. oh, shit. I got to open this. <laughs> it's got to be house vibes. You yeah. Know? That's got to be what it is. And a veiny brain monster? Oh, I just wrote closet monster, Pops yes. Out. And it looks like it has people's faces inside of it, which was kind of cool. It was neat. I yeah. didn't, you didn't see it long enough to really get yeah. a deeper understanding of it. And You just see that it scratches okay. him in the chest, and then he shoves it back in and closes the door. So that was interesting. So this is where the movie started to turn for me. I was yeah. like, what? is this i didn't expect it to be a monster movie i thought it was a haunting movie understandable i was wondering where this was going not where you think it's gonna go so at this point i also wrote again why are you still in this house Uh because he just goes across the hall and goes back to bed so here's my biggest issue with the film i can address it here it will come up the house is really weak Mm mm-hmm and can only like have like a couple seconds to try and come after him wherever it is. And then it just, he just sleeps in it and he stays in it. It's, he's always there. How come it doesn't get him while he's sleeping? How come it's so hands off? It's very weird. It's not revealed until very end of the movie, I think, where they talk a little bit about it, but it kind of builds up because it starts to get stronger. And it's I don't know why strange. we don't get any explanation for a lot of it. For any of it, really. We get a bad explanation for some of it, and we get no explanation for the rest of it. And that's one of the things that annoys me the most. That and the fact that Roger's so flippant about all of this yes. had me thinking, not from this point, but like shortly after this point, mm-hmm. thinking, oh, is this all in his head? Is he having like a psychotic episode? Because that would have been fun. Especially with where it's going to end. I had that mm-hmm. same thought. Like, is he still like, is it a couple days after his kid went missing and he's still in a mental asylum or something? So, no, I thought that um, while he was writing the book, he had he was having like PTSD symptoms mm-hmm. and was like dissociating or something okay. and wound up having a psychotic break. And all of this was imagined while he's like alone in this house because we start to get. Uh, the next morning, he gets mm-hmm. a delivery of a ton of cameras and video cameras, like all of the ones you could buy in the 80s. He sold one book. Right. And he's so, at risk of having to pay back the Maybe advance. it was a really good book. He must have gotten a great advance. Yeah. Uh, or he got some good uh, money in the divorce. So he's wearing his Vietnam fatigues. Oh, my God. I don't know where he got them from, but he has them. Oh, he bought them um, probably. With a helmet and goggles. He sets up all the cameras and stuff. And then he pulls a string and then runs out of the house, runs out the front door. It's nighttime now. He does a dive roll. Uh, down the stairs. Yeah. And out the front and just and like like runs and skids on his knees screaming. I was waiting him for him to do like an anime pose and be like, ah. Yeah. So it's late at night and Norm from Cheers, the neighbor, is standing there with his dog and he's like uh hey buddy and roger's like i'm just working on my book and then he runs back in the house and so that is where my first thought was oh 
he's going through something. Yeah. Uh, my first thought was, <laughs> so Harold just stands outside this guy's house 24-7. Oh, and just watches him. Just watches him. Yeah. So what he has done is he set all of the cameras and lights up around the closet door where the monster had come out of. Mm-hmm. And he has everything attached to the rope and to the door so that when he pulls the rope to the door to open it, all of them are going to take picture and video conceivably. He's the original ghost hunter. Right. So this is where I wrote, has this movie turned into a comedy? And it has. It has. And I'm not super thrilled with it. Yeah. But we're just going to keep going. So I know I actually did tell you because right before we watched it this week, I said to you, I don't know if I want to keep it because it's kind of a horror comedy. And we're like, no, 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 we're just going to, we're going to go with it. Because sometimes I'll change the movie last minute. And that's how we end up with like final exam. Oh, that's right. I remember you saying that now, but I didn't remember it when I was watching this. It's okay. Um, I almost changed it to something we're going to do next month. But I was like, ah, no, we we committed to this. We're going to stick with it. Well, no, I think that even if I knew that it was a horror comedy. You still would have been The way that it started, there was not an ounce of comedy in it. And the storylines do not lend to comedy. I would argue there still isn't an ounce of comedy. Well, in that's it. true. There's really none. I think the only thing that can be seen as sort of comedic mm-hmm. is Harold, the neighbor. And I think it's only because he's Norm from Cheers, who's an iconic comedic character. Agreed, because his character isn't funny at all. Right. Roger opens the door, nothing happens. The end. Uh, at this point, I'm thinking. How come he doesn't realize that it's, it needs to be after midnight? Seriously. Because that's what happened last night. Okay. I had the same exact note. So he is walking around dejectedly with a beer, and then he suddenly realizes, oh, it has to be midnight. Like, I don't, I don't know. This guy, this guy is a dingus. Yes. For lack of a better word. For, in so many scenarios in this movie, he just makes the worst choices. or the, he's, he's a dum-dum. He's a dum-dum. Yeah. Oh, so something about him Mm. while I'm thinking this. So when I first saw him, I was like, he's very familiar. Where where do I know him from? I don't know. Didn't think much more about it. And as the movie's going on, I'm like, God, he's like totally clueless. He's really just a dingle. He's kind of annoying me. He's he's just really like has no common sense. He's obtuse. Yeah. No common sense whatsoever. And then at the end of the movie, I realized where I recognized him from. Have you ever seen the original Carrie movie? No. Oh, well, then you wouldn't get this. But he plays the guy who takes her to the prom. Okay. Back in the day. And he's like a he's probably the only likable character in the whole movie, kind of. But he's just really like dumb. He's plain really, type. Yeah, he's like obtuse and like no common sense. Uh, so So Roger goes back up to open the doors, and as he's about to open the door, it's like this tense moment. Harold, the neighbor, dude, walks into the bedroom like he owns the fucking house. And I'm like, the fuck? No, sir. I literally wrote, how is this normal? It's not. This guy is the most, like I said earlier. So inappropriate. No boundaries. So inappropriate. And trespassing. Yeah. This guy literally told you he's here for solitude. You watched him clearly during what looks like a mental break. If I'm seeing someone do this and you choose to, Oh, he wants me to bring beer and snacks over it for a midnight snack. Like adult men do all the time. 
I'm thinking that when he saw Roger initially like run out of the house that he was like, oh, I should probably check on him. I think that was the vibe they were trying to like put out here, but it comes off as creepy stalker instead. So now they're downstairs in the dining room having snacks and beer. And Harold's like, so uh, what's up with all the cameras? Mm -hmm. And Roger's like, well, my aunt thought this house was haunted. And do you believe in ghosts? And yeah. Harold, and this is Harold is like super level headed in this scene. And he's like totally chill. He's like, listen, buddy, your aunt was Looney Tunes. Those are the words he said. Yep. And Roger, you're not. You've been through a really rough time. You were in Vietnam. Your kid disappeared. Your wife divorced you. Like, so it's normal for you to like not be doing okay. So, you know, it's like, it's all right, buddy. And, and so this is where I was like, oh, he came to check on him and he's also being very level headed and he's being a good neighbor. He's not being a stalker in this moment. This is, this is the, the problem that I have with this movie. There's like no continuity in the characters. Mm -hmm. Like this is a different character than what we've seen so far. When he asked him if he believed in ghosts, all I could think of was in Soul Keeper was like, do you believe the power of the human soul? <laughs> like, that's all I could hear in that line. And it made me laugh so hard. Uh, and the floating for telly. Oh, yeah. this movie needed a floating for telly. Every movie needs a floating for telly. Very true. So then Roger's like, hey, I saw a monster in that closet. And here are some cuts on my body. Yeah. And Harold just like does not believe him. And he's also like, you know, you know, if you get a picture of it, just let me know. I would yeah. love to see that. That sounds super interesting. And I'm going to go home. I think that's the right way to handle yeah. that. That's you exactly know? how you handle you're someone. You're encouraging it without yeah. legitimizing it, but you're not insulting them at the same time. Well, you know, you have to validate people in psychosis yeah. sometimes. And that's what he's doing. Um. <laughs> So as Harold is leaving, he swipes a book. So at first I didn't know what it was, but it's his, it's Roger's address book. And so for those of you kids who don't know what an address book is back in the day, that's where everyone's phone number was. My mom still has one. I'm sure. If you weren't cool enough to put them all into a Rolodex, you just kept them in the address <laughs> right, book. Kept them in your little black book. In a totally not stalkery way at all. Harold calls Sandy, Roger's ex-wife. I, when he did this, I was like, no, Harold, fuck yeah. you. I, I was like, Harold, you not okay. a line. This you is crossed a line. Beyond inappropriate. You do not know this couple. No. And he's like, hey, Sandy, what's up? Like, like they're pals. Uh, and he explains, you know, I think Roger's having some Vietnam flashbacks. He's seen some ghosts. Uh, you might want to come out here. And she's like, well, I can't. I have to be on set in the morning. He's like, you know what? Uh, don't worry about it, Sandy. Since we're old pals, I'll yeah. keep an eye on Roger for you. She's like, let me give you my daytime phone number. That sounds great. And I was just like, you do not know this man. Yeah. And so Sandy starts calling Roger because that was fucking weird. I was expecting us to get like that scene. Yeah. No, but, but we didn't. she doesn't reach him. Yeah. So. He's sleeping in his baseball bed. <laughs> He's having... Another Vietnam flashback while he's writing. He's dreaming of being Ty Cobb. These flashbacks are killing me at this point. I wish that they would just do one long flashback so that we know, okay, this is what's going on instead of, because these little snippets are fucking boring as shit. 
Yes, I would have appreciated if they just got to the last one and just used that one. Yeah, j- you don't need all of the setup. No. At all. The jokes aren't funny. Right. There's really not very many jokes. It's really like just creepy more than anything. Yeah. And what kills me is it's central to the larger plot of this movie. Apparently. I don't but it doesn't make any sense as to why, but No, no, and we'll discuss that, but right. it is needed, I guess. So basically what happens here, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but Roger and Hightower are going to be at the front of the line walking through the jungle Mm -hmm. after an argument with the lieutenant, I guess. It's very bizarre. It sort of seems like it's setting Roger up to be like a tough guy. He's like in his little tank top and he's chewing gum like he's cool. (laughs) Flexing the whole time. Yeah. And he's got that look on his face like, yeah, uh, I'm tough. And it's just... (laughs) Really weird. The I'm tough head bob Sam just pulled off was mm-hmm. delightful. Yeah. Someday we'll do video and you guys will be able to see my little the bobbing faces. And, bobbing I make, and weaving. Yeah. The hand motions, the head motions. I'm very animated. So it's like usually I'm whacking the microphone or something, like I just did. Yeah. Uh Hightower's yelling out for Charlie. Oh God. This guy I had no patience for him. And he's just very creepy. And so they made him. Have you seen full? I keep referencing full metal jacket yes. because it's like the Vietnam movie that everybody. Uh, for I would argue part, apocalypse now is the Vietnam movie. I think apocalypse now is more of like an art film than, than anything. Yeah. That's, that might be fair, which it's, I'm not saying it's not a Vietnam movie. I'm just saying it's more something yeah. else. You got that platoon and full metal jacket. <laughs> right. And, um, Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah right because nobody that's is fair when you're talking about vietnam movies that one pops into my head that's you fair. know the yeah. whole bubba and lieutenant dan Damn. Like, yeah um but this is not that situation so i keep referencing full metal jacket because i think they made high tower kind of like a private pile type yeah dude he's like a little off and you're not quite sure what's gonna happen <laughs> I was very sure what was going to happen. Well, I kept thinking he was going to like murder civilians or okay. the rest of the platoon. Like I thought that was going to happen, not what actually happened. So I definitely thought he might like kill civilians or something. I never got the vibe that he was going to kill the platoon. Well, because he just was so angry at everyone except for Roger. Well, because clearly they were lovers in the forest. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just need a lover in the forest. I'm not and, judging it. And in times of war... It's even more important to have a lover in the forest. Agreed completely. I wish they all were lovers in the forest so that maybe they wouldn't kill each other. Oh, that's such a nice... (laughs) Guys, I think we've solved war. We did just be lovers in the forest. Lovers in the forest. That just made me think of... I keep going off on tangents, but that just made me think of... Did you ever see the the producers? The original one. No, I saw like 20 minutes of the no. the remake and walked out. That's the fake one and I hate it. The original one with Gene Wilder and Zero Mustel. Put in, it on the list. In Oh, God, it's so good. In the movie, there's a play called Springtime for Hitler. Oh, that I do know of. Right. Yes. But that's not what I'm talking about. The guy who plays Hitler, his audition is so funny because he's like the the stereotypical hippie mm-hmm. who's 
who's like, give a flower to the soldiers instead of a gun, you know, yeah. like going on this whole thing while he's dressed as Hitler. And so when I was just saying that lovers in the forest thing, I was totally <laughs> thinking of him the whole time. <laughs> Guys, so I'll just, be lovers in the let's forest, Let's just man. all be lovers in the forest. We, we solved the war. <laughs> well, I'm crying. <laughs> oh, man. We're about to get one of my favorite scenes in the movie. <sighs> so bizarre. We've had a lot of exposition so far, and so it's hopefully going to move a little bit quicker. So here's Roger. Here's the phone ring. He walks out. He finds his son's car on the floor. He turns and looks at the Marlin Mm -hmm. on the wall, the big giant Marlin, and he notices something, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. And then I realized, oh, wait, its eyes are literally following him, like moving in its head. So good. I love that concept in any sort of haunting movie. So it's a massive, like, I don't know, 15 foot Marlin. Sure. Yeah. It's, it takes up a whole wall. It's gigantic and it's flopping like a Billy the Bass thing. (laughs) Exactly what it is. Except instead of singing, it's like screaming. (laughs) It's just screeching. Oh my God. It's hysterical. It was so funny. And Roger just starts beating it with a trophy. (laughs) And I, I wrote here laughing, screaming at him like, nope. Oh my God. I wrote here, I really think that this movie is him having a psychotic episode. It's the only thing that makes sense because everything that happens is so ridiculous. This was such, in a good way, Evil Dead vibes. If the whole movie was like this, fine. Yes. But the setup to this was the opposite. So when this happened, I was like, no, come on. It takes you out of the whole tone. The movie from here just ramps up the ridiculous. Yes. Like, this is probably the most ridiculous thing, but- this is the funniest ridiculous thing, I would say. Right. Everything else is just like wacky, wacky. So he runs to the shed to grab the gun and he loads it and he starts hearing weird noises. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, all the garden implements <laughs> start flying at him. It's an Actually, axe, some hedge clippers, other like five yeah. things. I take that back. I kind of enjoyed that too. Again, more Evil Dead kind of right. vibes. Like I said, if I was expecting it, if they had set it up in any way, I think I would have been fine with it. But I was pretty disappointed when it started when it started happening. <laughs> um, it's jarring. It it is it is, and it wasn't funny. So it was it was just like I think I was more shocked by it than anything. So Roger runs inside with the gun. He drops some bullets, which comes into play later. <laughs> he just starts shooting the marlin, <laughs> and it starts screaming. <laughs> oh my god. The Marlin's the star of this film in my book. So he covers its face with a towel. You know, as you do to calm screaming injured animals. <laughs> Hold on, I'm crying from yep. laughter. I can't read my notes. No, the scene was, I I almost feel like someone had this scene and like we're oh putting God. this in this movie. So at the end of this scene, my note is, what in the actual fuck? Because that's... No, it come doesn't on. advance anything. No, and it doesn't fit. No, no, it doesn't. Well, it fits the rest of the movie, but it doesn't fit the movie we were given. It's two absolutely different it's too, films. It's too schlocky and sticky. Yeah. Sticky. So Roger goes up to the bathroom and he hears some slamming noises. He opens the door and all the garden implements are like knocking yeah. on the door. They're hovering in the air. So he just runs downstairs and he finds Sandy in the foyer. Uh we think she's like, I've been trying to call you. I wanted to see you. He puts his gun down on the 
front table, she bends down to pick it up. And when she stands up, she's a slug monster wearing yeah, that's a dress. The, that's a good description. It's just the she costumes looks, are so bizarre. She looks like Roz from Monsters, Inc. Slug lady, basically, uh, in a dress with some lipstick on. <laughs> and he starts shooting her. Yeah. With the shotgun. And I said here, I really hope he's having a psychotic episode and that he just shot his actual wife. And then it cuts to her Sandy's body on the ground. And I wrote, oh, shit, that's what happened. I was like, OK, yeah, I'm in if this is yeah. a psychotic breakdown yeah. and he just killed his wife. And we're like, <laughs> if that's a fascinatingly dark movie. I have so many like notes about my reactions in here. I wrote, oh, my God, what is this movie? What is this movie? It's right not now? sure. It's not sure. It's not, and neither am I. So Harold hears the gunshot. He looks outside and just sees Roger standing over the gun. He calls the police for an attempted suicide. Okay, that's a big assumption. Why don't you just go check on the guy or yell out the window, hey, buddy, all right? Yeah, I'm going to call the police and then claim it's a suicide, which you have no evidence of. Nobody, he's not dead. He's, he's not, not pointing dead. the gun at himself. He he obviously has fired it already. Yeah. It's very bizarre. Fuck Harold, man. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Roger's crying over Sandy's body. Here's the police coming. So he grabs her body and throws her in a closet under the stairs. Again, we get another Harry Potter room. Right. So the cops arrive and he just sits on the steps with the gun pretending to be cleaning it. I thought that was pretty smooth cover. Right. It was. He just was like super smooth about it. Like, oh, hey, guys, what's up? And this was like cleaning my gun. The 80s where, you know. People could just kind of sit around with their guns on their porch, People cleaning them. People still sit around with their guns on their porch, cleaning them, depending on where you live. That's fair. The police are like, um, we're going to give you a citation for firing the gun. And then all of a sudden, the cop's like, wait, aren't you that writer? Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, he's a rich white guy, so he gets off scot-free. Mm. Pretty much. Weird. Did you recognize the one cop? Yes. Rufus um, from Supernatural? I did recognize him, and I was he like, was so oh. young. You, 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 yeah, I didn't, I just was surprised. I love him. He's, he was, yeah. He's I been in so him. many things. He's so good. But Rufus from Supernatural, love him. Um, So Rufus asks to use the bathroom. And so both the cops go inside. Okay. So before, as that's happening, Harold starts walking and Roger goes like, fuck off, Harold. And Harold walks away. And then he just comes in the mm-hmm. house and it's okay. Like, Harold, what right do you have to be involved in any of this? Right, so weird. So weird. Makes so, no sense. And Roger, who's trying to get the cops to go away, is like, hey there, cops, you want some coffee? And I was like, no. <laughs> no. Let me invite you further into my home. Right. These are so already nosy cops dumb. as it is. So they're in the kitchen, and the cop finds the bullets that he had dropped. And there's like this whole exchange. The cop seems like a little bit weirded out by Roger. He's like, um, okay. <laughs> I actually wrote as this was happening, is Harold part of the house? <laughs> like that makes I more thought sense that for I thought that once or twice moment. too. Yeah. I was like, oh, is he an agent of the house? Right. Uh, he's not, unfortunately. That would be is way there an more underground fun. Underground basement and Harold's house is actually part of this house, technically. That would be way more fun. He's an apparition. Oh, that'd be so good. Roger goes and he finds Rufus, who's looking at a painting of a woman being impaled by a bunch of garden tools, which I thought mm. was really cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's super fun. They're awesome paintings. They're, yeah. I can't say it enough. And so his aunt had obviously been experiencing all the things that Roger's experiencing because she's yep. painting them, which is another kind of like hint at what's to come. I wish there were more of the paintings. Yeah, me too. I wish there was way more of that. It would have been way more fun. 
so the cops are leaving and Roger realizes his gun's missing and the little door to under the stairs is open. Where the body was. Right. So everybody leaves. Roger's in the house alone. He looks and there's nobody in the little closet. So I was like, oh shit. Yeah. That was not Sandy. That was Slug Lady. It's kind of bummed a little bit, actually. I was too, but I realized that they couldn't have done that and then resolve the kid thing. It just would have not worked. Yeah. So you had to pick one or the other, unfortunately. I choose the Dark Dead Wife movie. Uh, Me too. And that, like, he accidentally killed the kid. Ooh. That's a better movie. I think it would have been, like, his his child drowned and he was, like, blacking it out or something and then he killed his wife. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go write that movie. We'll be right back. Okay. And we're back. So Roger hears a noise upstairs. He goes into his aunt room, aunt's room just in time. <laughs> he goes into his aunt's room just in time to see someone going into the closet. Can we say for a second that so much of this movie is shot in this upstairs bedroom. They had a whole house. <laughs> that was all like a weird choice to keep using this one room. It's where the action happens. All right. It's fine. Doesn't bother Same, me at all. This house could haunt other places more. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I guess I just wanted more of this cool house. Yeah, it is a fun house. So he's going toward the closet and the slug lady monster pops up behind him with the shotgun and <laughs> her Alvin in the chipmunk voice. Yeah. So I wrote, all that. <laughs> I wrote monster pops up behind him with a shotgun. And how is there still 40 minutes left in this movie? <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so she hits him and knocks him out. So the slug lady is holding the shotgun to his head and asks in her creepy chipmunk. <laughs> yeah. Where his son is. His son is dead. The house had him. <laughs> and that there's a place in the house where her son is. And she goes to fire the gun and it's empty. And then Roger punches her in the knee and gets away. Well, he starts to get away. Then he knocks himself out on the door oh, of the God, hall into the so hallway. Funny. And She's like, dude, don't knock yourself out when you run well, away. No, so she comes after him. He opens the door to the bedroom, and all of the gardening tools are there. Yeah. And so they fly out and impale her and chop her head off. Fun enough. Right. So then he puts her head in a bag while happy fun music is playing. Oh, yeah. That, what the fuck was with this music? It was like 70s, like disco-y yeah, it was rock like Bee Gees. Yeah. It was very bizarre. So then he buries the it's head a in the yard. Talk show. Talking about fucking cool medallions. Talking about chopping your ghost head off. So he wraps up this body. He drags it outside super inconspicuously because it's oh the my God. middle of the day and the yard is facing the road. And the grotto. Right, and the grotto. <laughs> uh, he walks three feet from his door and starts digging a hole. Right. Has this guy, a horror novelist, might I add you, no idea that maybe you should try a little harder to like not so that's not even my problem conspicuous my problem is that the attractive lady who ran by earlier yeah this blonde lady just comes out of the pool and it's like oh hi i'm just using your pool i thought she was part of the house for a second too it was very weird uh and she's like, my name's Tanya. I just use your pool sometimes. And as he's talking to her, the slug lady's hand is like coming out of the tarp and trying to touch Tanya's foot. And I was like, this would be funny if that was the tone if of the movie. this was the original tone set by the movie. But to me, it's not. So it's it just was stupid. very army of darkness. It was. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that. Where you're like, yep. okay, this one's all all in on right. the comedy. Great. I'm in. So there's some like, you know, 
flirty wordplay between the two, and he kind of blows her off a little bit, like, oh, maybe another time right in the middle of something. She used a line, I know when a man wants to work and when he wants to play. Right. She says it a couple times. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. This is where I noted that the movie has gone across the line and is 100% into comedy now. I'm not totally sure how I feel about it. And then it c- tries to jump back and forth, but I just mm-hmm. would like it to stay one thing or another. Well, you answered my question or my note literally right here where I, after I wrote not suspicious holes in his yard, I then wrote the tone of this movie. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so you are reading my mind at the, experiencing this movie. Because it was, it started to become difficult to watch because yeah. it was bouncing back and forth between this like tragedy with his son silly monster body parts Mm -hmm. this this bizarre scene coming up next where he turns into a babysitter for a little while it's like Like, it tried to get all the different 80s tropes into one movie god you have the vietnam story so weird you have oh yeah and that 80s trope where a dog steals the zombie hand right so he's chopped up the slug lady she's buried in little parts everywhere and a dog comes and steals a zombie hand but hold on before that happens there's like happy, fun 50s music playing, like doo-wop music. And there's a montage of him like searching through the house for something. Uh, he finds his kid's stuffed animal. He gives it a kiss. He's staring Ugh. pensively at the pool. He's shining a flashlight around the yard. And the... <laughs> I don't know if I meant to say this, but I wrote the dog has dug up the giant sloppy hand of the slug lady. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's exactly the right thing to say. <laughs> and he's chasing the dog. Dude, I wrote, just let the dog go. I just don't know what's happening. I yeah. It went from a haunted house movie to like a silly schlocky monster fest. And I don't, I was like, at this point, I was all set. So here's where we get, for me, the most useless, stupid, boring, and ridiculous scene in the entire movie. Yes. And we're just going to like run through it real quick. So the lady who got ma- came out of the pool, the blonde lady, Tanya. Sexy jogger. Sexy jogger. She sh- she's at his door, and she's there with her small child named Robert, and I was just very confused. Yep. She's like, I like to play, and so does my son. Here, here you go. Babysit him while I go on a date. Bye. And I wrote, I don't like this movie anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the little kid, the slug lady's hand is on the little kid's back, and so Roger flushes it down the toilet. Oh. And then Tanya's, le- you know, Tanya leaves. Roger's like trying to type on his computer, and the little kid is like sitting on the floor crying for his mom. And it made me really depressed. I think I was so annoyed. But at at one point, as all this was getting set up, I wrote, "Is he going to lose this kid too?" Oh my god, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. So I thought this was going to be the thing where he had to save this kid, and in doing so, he saved his kid as well. I yeah. thought maybe the kid would like disappear in the closet, and he'd have to go in and get them both back. That would have made sense, uh, but that doesn't happen. There's no – nothing about this child does anything to move the plot along. No, this is just wasting time. Yeah. So the best part of the scene is that he's got the TV on, and it's his wife's t- – his ex-wife's TV show. Yeah. And it's a, it's a soap opera. And she's talking to a guy, and the guy says, this is a quote, I can't help that I've been a male prostitute my whole life. <laughs> and I was like, dude – there's like a five-year-old kid sitting in front of you. Like, turn this sh- shit off. <laughs> also, you can help that. That's a career choice. And also, no wonder why she lost her award. Come on. The writing isn't good. 
Yeah, so the kid's, like, crying for his mom, and Roger's comforting him. The kid falls asleep. Roger has a jungle flashback. This is where we get, like, the culmination of all of these jungle moments. So it's Roger and Hightower. It's nighttime. Hightower stands up in the clearing like a dum-dum calling like trying to get attention yeah from like let's let's find out where charlie really is yeah and he gets shot about 30 times yeah roger's like you probably should get down all right and then it cuts off because we don't get the ending at this point okay i thought we did but we don't oh we don't we don't get the little bit that's good we'll get that in a few minutes so then roger wakes up from his little reverie he goes and checks on the kid, and of course the kid is gone. And I'm really irritated by this plot device. Yeah. And I hate this kid's mom. I hate her so much. She's a horrible person. We see Roger. He runs up the stairs in time to see these like creepy little slug creatures pulling the kid up the chimney. Yep. Reverse Santa. Roger's pulling the kid by his legs. He wins the little tug, tug of war. He puts the kid into the tub. I was waiting for the hand to come out of the drain. That would have been hysterical. Oh, that would have been good. But it, it did not. Um, I actually have to be honest, I fast forwarded like 20 seconds because I, I hit the 10 second button twice because I was all set. Oh, you didn't want to watch Happy Tub Times and this kid not being traumatized in the slightest by what he just went through. And when his mom shows up and yeah, he just was, says everything's fine, the kid goes, oh, I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All I know is Fair. that when I came back, the mom was leaving with the kid and I wrote, that mom is the worst and I hope the slug lady eats her face. But no such luck. If only. So now- Roger lures Harold, the neighbor, over to go hunting. Um, He's like, hey, Harold, I thought it was a ghost, but it's just a raccoon and it's in the closet. So you're going to take the harpoon gun and shoot it when I open the door. He's got the whole rig set up. So once he shoot it, it won't get away because there's um, a rope attached to the harpoon gun. And, And like Harold's like, oh, yeah, cool. Sure. Guys, we are getting towards the end-ish of this movie, I yeah, promise. it's for real. It's, it never ends, it feels like. So as this scene takes place, I wrote, Harold is not the guy you want in a foxhole with oh, you. Well, and we will see why Harold is not that guy. So the clock chimes midnight. Roger opens the door. The monster comes out slashing. Roger's hitting it with a poker, and Harold is just standing there. He does not shoot. No. The monster gets a hold of Roger. Yeah. And then he finally shoots and then he lets the harpoon gun go. The line gets caught on Roger's foot and he gets sucked into the closet with the creature. We're going to Narnia, baby. Right. So Narnia turns out to be Vietnam. Yeah. The jungle woods. And we see Harold back in the bedroom and he's got um, like an industrial fishing pole doing like the jaws thing where he's trying to like reel it in. And then the line runs out and it just goes, it just, the line just like goes out. Like nobody tied it. Like, Oh my God. And, and Harold is just like, Oh, okay. That sucks. Like nobody has any actual like normal human emotion in this movie. Yeah. He just, what we'll find out is he just, and just goes drinks and passes out in Roger's house. Yeah. He just falls asleep on the mattress in the corner. So now Roger's in the jungle woods of Narnia. It's the woods where his buddy from the flashback is. He goes over to his friend. Mm-hmm. So this is like the ending of the the flashback that we had just seen. Yep. His friend had just been shot a bunch of times. Hightower. Somehow still alive. Right. He goes over to him and Hightower's like, gotta finish me off. Like, please just kill me. So Roger takes the knife and he's tr- like 
in his face, like about to like maybe slit his throat or something, but he just can't do it. He's just like, Oh my God, I can't get it. And right. And then I thought to myself, doesn't he have a gun? Like just fucking shoot the guy. That's what I thought too. Right. Because listen, I don't want to shoot a person, but I'd rather shoot a person than stab them. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And if like the alternative is what happens, they're about to get dragged away and tortured by the enemy and they're, so Roger's like, I'm going to go get help and come back. And H- Hightower's like, no, you fucker. And so as he goes, a Seconds bunch of later. Vietnamese soldiers swarm Hightower and pull him away. And he's screaming, I'm going to get you back for this. Rah. Yeah, because it's his fault. Right. And so uh, this is where I was like, oh, really? Is this going to be the thing yep. of this movie? I'm just tell you right now. How? Yes, it is. Oh, I have no answer. It, yeah, we'll get there. There's no Listen, logic to it. We're going to have a whole conversation about it. But I'm just saying right now in my head when I saw it, I was like, how? But okay. So then he is running through. Roger's running through the jungle. He sees the doorway opening. It's just like the first troll movie. Mm-hmm. Glowing. And, right. Yep. He runs, jumps through it, and now he's back in his aunt's room. This is where he finds Harold passed out. And I was like, well, I guess he tried real hard to help out after Roger yeah. got sucked into the closet. Well, you know, to be fair, Roger would not want any of his beers to go cold. So he really did a service. He would not want it. He would not have wanted any of that Chinese food to be wasted. So No, no. Because if you do, closet wins. Right. So here's where Roger has a very bizarre revelation that I'm that was like not really set up well and then also lives in that realm of like the haunted area that's creepy as opposed Mm -hmm. to silly he goes to lay in bed and he's like has this look on his face like i just had a revelation yeah he runs out to the shed to the last painting that his aunt had painted and it's it's the glowing closet with her like standing in front of it and then there's a rag over the corner and he rips the rag down and underneath the rag is part of the painting that we hadn't seen before. It's the bathroom mirror yep. with his son's face in it screaming. Uh, so he runs back inside. He throws something through the mirror to break it. And it's a black open space. So before we go further in that really quick point, did the aunt, aunt never think to mention to anyone like, right. hey, I had this premonition that your well, son's trapped in a dimension in my mirror. She did tell them it was the house that did it, and they didn't listen. I mean, that is fair. I feel like she could have gone to a little more detail. I mean, she could have. But. But she didn't. Maybe the house tricked and her. And that's how like we got she said. this movie. So she's who I have to blame for the Okay. Yep. All right. That bitch. So a tentacle comes out yeah. and grabs Roger. Yeah, mirror tentacle. And starts to pull him in. And my note here was this movie is so bizarre. Yeah, because that tentacle is followed up by like 15 different gross slug hands. Yeah. And Roger just starts stabbing them with a razor. Oh, yeah, he's an escape that doesn't make any sense. So all the hands disappear. And then he's screaming, Jimmy, into the black nothingness. Like, that's going to do something. So Roger grabs a big, long rope. He starts rappelling into the hole with a gun over his shoulder. A big, long rope's an understatement for the rope length that he... It's very long. <laughs> like, very long. this thing could probably go tip of the Empire State Building to ground. Right. So I wrote, there's only 15 minutes left. Thank God. And and it just is a clusterfuck from here on out. I did get some get-out vibes as he goes in and starts rappelling down this black 
hole from when you know he's trapped in the his own head when 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 the main character is trapped yeah i know i know exactly what you're saying please do not ever compare this movie to get out i'm just saying this (laughs) one scene (laughs) where everything's black and he's just lowering himself by a and and in the distance you have the small yeah Yeah. it it had a similar vibe to that i'm not comparing quality in any way or context just saying visually there were some similarities yeah a little bit and also the greater point. No, no, no. So he's lowering himself down on the rope. He's yelling for Jimmy. There's like some some like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh mm-hmm. noises, and all of a sudden we have a flying skeleton bat. I like that. That just steals his gun. Yeah, he's. I wrote his plan didn't start off well. It was very funny. <laughs> that that cracked me up. And then the skeleton like flips the gun. Oh yeah, like, like a flippy dippy move. Before. And he shoots the rope like he's a like an old West cowboy. Gunslinger, yeah. And Roger just falls down into a big pool of water. Um, he swims down into the water and he comes up into in the jungle and some water in the jungle. As you do. Right. He sees a bamboo prison cell in, in that one, like in that Rambo movie where uh, Rambo's Oh, you've never seen that Rambo movie. You've only seen the first Oh no, one. I was sighing just because yeah. of what's happening. So his kid is inside of it looking all dirty looking. Looking like but, he's being fed well. Right. And, Not dirty or malnourished enough for yeah. someone who's been missing for a long time. And Jimmy goes, He's coming back. And then all of a sudden there's some gunfire. And I wrote, Oh my God, if this is Hightower. Yeah, I wrote, uh, and there, Ben was the guy's first name. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's and I was like, lot. it's going to be Ben, and I'm not happy about it because yep. that makes no sense. Yep. And then my note says, somehow it, they're both in his pool. Yeah, he dove back into the water, and they pop up in the pool in the backyard. They start to celebrate. I mean, I knew as soon as we were doing a haunted second dimension movie, I'm like, oh, the pool's another pool. Well, of yeah, course. Obviously. Yeah, of course. I knew that was going to have something to do with it, which is fine. But if I thought this was the ending, and I wrote, if this is the fucking ending, I'm going to punch somebody. I would have been fine because it would have spared us the next 12 or so minutes. So they're, they're back in the house. They're super joyful. They walk through the front. They walk through the house to the front door to go out. He opens it. And listen, this looked visually fun, but it's a gigantic Skeletor Hightower. Okay. So you didn't see it because we were going to watch Uncle Sam, want, I Want You Dead, the 4th of July movie. You're lucky you didn't see it, but there's an uh, almost exact like scene where they have zombie Uncle Sam at a house mm-hmm. with a kid, like this exact scene. And I was just getting flashbacks from or deja vu, and I was just like, "Oh, neither of them are good. Damn it! <laughs> I'm having deja vu of terrible scenes." Roger's totally unfazed by this, and he's like, "Oh my god, buddy, is that you?" And it turns out Hightower's mad at him for not killing him. So he stole his child, I guess. I don't know. How? How? We'll never know. Well, here's the thing. He grew up in that house with his aunt. Yep. His aunt said the house was haunted. So did the haunting start after Vietnam? So the one thing that maybe makes this work is when she was talking to him as a ghost, she said, the house knows you. It knows all about you. So the only logic to me is... This is all just the house telling a story with these characters, and it's not real. Okay, but... I don't say that's a good explanation. Hightower specifically says, like, I took your kid to get back at you. Why would the house have taken his kid otherwise? Maybe the house is just really into storytelling. So if it was what you said... I would be okay with it, but it had to be set up better. Oh, agreed completely. It's one, mm. one passing line that doesn't 
glue all this together the way it's done. So, like I said, the skeleton—I was calling him Skeletor Hightower. He looks—he looks cool. He looks good. You can see yeah, the internal he's organs. He's, he's, he's basically a skeleton. He's like rotting looking. He's like greenish black. Like he looks really fun. So Hightower's just like smashing through everything. He's stalking Roger through the house. Jimmy has run away at this point. He's stalking Roger through the house forever. So long. Forever. So long. He's ridiculous. in that upstairs hallway for like a good 30 seconds. Just Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So... There, he at one point like Roger gets up on the roof. He's running. He comes back in the house. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck? It's just like the slowest chase through the house ever. So here's where we get Roger's just like, you don't know fuck this shit. And he turns around and he just starts beating on the dead the high tower Skeletor. It was kind of funny. Um, he rips off Hightower's arm and just starts beating him with it, which was really funny. I'm I like all that. for that in horror movies. Yeah. The old beat you with your own arm. Yeah. And so here is where I made like here's where I had the thought like oh is this all just his book like that would be cool I if, guess that'd be a better horror book if it, he turned his Vietnam novel right if he turned his Vietnam novel into a horror novel because no one would buy it otherwise well and also because it, it would be like it would be like this whole like meta thing and it would be like it would probably be like a good allegory like, like whatever the trauma of war and right right yeah. right so. I thought to myself, this if that's what they're doing here, I am totally okay with it. But it's not what it's they're not. Doing I would be much more okay with that. It's not what they're doing here. So f- at this point, somehow, so Roger runs through the door and he's on the edge of a cliff over crashing waves. Yeah, you gotta watch out for the sea cliff portal. Right. I don't know yeah. what that's all about, but f- whatever. We're we're here. Well, what we're it's about it is we need a way to to end right. this <laughs> scene. Right. Can we end the movie? Let's just throw them off a cliff. Hey, you ready for my dad? Pun of the movie. In this scene, he's saved by the belt. <laughs> so Roger falls and he's hanging by his hands. Ben starts stepping on his fingers. Right, he, Roger unbuckles his belt with one hand. He like lassos it up and grabs Hightower with it. And pulls him over the edge by his arm. Yep. Which is weird because he just ripped off his arm in the last one very easily. So don't you think that the oh, belt would have just arm. ripped off his arm? Oh, that, that was, was a good, good arm. arm? Okay. Silly me. Yeah. I'm so silly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgive you. <laughs> and so it's the thing. The only thing that was enjoyable about this is that when you see Hightower falling down behind him, he's really small. But you see his head pop off. <laughs> Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm actually going to have to go back for that because that's humorous. So Roger's back in the house. Jimmy's calling to him at this point said, don't forget that Aunt Elizabeth said the house is going to trick you. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing this is a trick. And it is. So Hightower has Jimmy. Yep. Because somehow he's alive. Even though his head fell off when he fell off the cliff. I mean, he's been through worse. Uh, that's true. He's undead. Uh, and he says, I'm going to kill your your son unless you kill yourself. Here's a gun. Instantly I knew. Yeah. This means the house can't hurt you. Right. So Roger starts yelling, I'm not afraid of you. Get out of here. Like, you know. You're not going to hurt him. Right. You're not going to hurt him. You're not going to hurt me. He grabs a grenade off of Hightower's belt and stuffs it inside of Hightower's body. You're in your own home. Right. A grenade? Well, listen, he was just on a, on a fucking sea cliff. What does he think is going to... Like, he, right. you never know. Yeah, right. Right? This could be a sea cliff home. But you're right, because there's an explosion and the house 
catches fire. The house explodes, well, the top room, right as Sandy, the ex-wife, pulls up in a cab. I guess she could get there. Right. And she's like, what the fuck? And Harold runs over from next door. And then Roger. No, no, let's be real. Harold ran from the hedge at the edge of the property. Yeah, of the property, a couple feet into it. Right. Like, oh my God, I just arrived here from nowhere. I have no idea what's happening. I heard it down the street where I was walking my dog like normal people do. Fucking creep. So Roger walks out of the house with Jimmy in his arms. Wait, this sounds like so familiar. Did you predict this? I feel like I might have. I feel like this sounds real familiar to like an hour ago. Yeah. Mom and son reunite. Roger watches heroically as the house behind him burns. Yeah. I actually kind of thought that was funny. I wrote, everyone's laughing and I don't know why. (laughs) And then the movie ends. Freeze frame and it ends. I know. Oh. So, I have yeah. so many questions. So first I have of all, so few answers. <laughs> so it went from like an actually creepy haunted Hill House type vibe to a silly, schlocky, frankly, slightly boring vibe. Yep. I wanted it to be one or the other. I It didn't do a good job at both at all. I was hoping it would be like a twist where it was either his book or mm-hmm. he was having a psychotic break. It just, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make sense. Well, what kills me is the first 15, 20 minutes were really good. Yeah. I was, I was, I was like, oh, that. Ian picked a good one. Cool. Yeah. So when it shifts, it's just such a bummer. Well, it's just so, like you said earlier, it's jarring. Yeah. Oh, and it doesn't shift subtly either. Yeah. That's no. the thing. And, and it's just so like sudden out, of, like out of the blue where you're yeah. like, what? Wait, there's a slug monster? Oh, come on. I thought we were getting a haunting, not a monster movie. It turned into Troll 1. Yeah. And it was very bizarre. And But Troll 1 was more likable. <laughs> right. I I don't mind if a movie's predictable. You well, know? that's fine. That's, there's comfort in, in, in knowing where something's going. And it's not even that. It's like, if you're doing it well, it's fine if it's predictable. Yes. I, I really just don't understand the Vietnam thing. It was totally shoehorned in there. It didn't do anything for the movie. It feels as though it was, you know, the writer's cause. And they forced it into the story. Yeah, and so the only trivia I could find about this movie was that it originally was not comedic at all, the original screenplay. And then somebody came along and added the comedy to it. Yeah. They punched it up for no reason. And the studio executives liked it better this way. When did Ghostbusters come out? Um, I want to say it was earlier than this because I was because I was going to say this had a feeling like, hey, Ghostbusters, let's add some more funny because that Ghostbusters did that to a lot of films where after the success of that in the eighties, you started to see films trying to force more of that goofy slapsticky well, because, comedy. So into Ghostbusters it. was a comedy. Yes. With elements of horror. And supernatural. Exactly. I don't know of any horror movie that really walks the line well with comedy. Maybe Friday the 13th. Yeah. I I would definitely say the first one. Yeah. Absolutely. Not all Um, of them. But. Yeah. That might be the best example. And there there are others out there. um, Yeah. Definitely. But but not a lot. Think of movies like Gremlins is really a comedy. Yeah. With some horror creatures in it. Definitely. I would say maybe the first child's play has some pretty good humor in it too. Um, yeah, it's yeah, that's true. 
like I said, there's only, there's not many. No. And the problem, like you said, is this one starts out as a horror movie and then turns into a true, a comedy. And when you're going to see a film or watching a film, you really want to have a consistent type of movie you're watching the whole time. Now it can dabble in other genres. It can have influences. It can homage. It can, but it just, it can't change completely. That's such a, uh, it's so hard to follow. Right. It, it, it was really frustrating. Ghostbusters was 1984, by the way. Okay. So it did come out before this. Yeah, I was gonna say, I know I was like a baby when it came out. Yeah. I think that it suffered from, them trying to make it funny. Look, I know that this is like a pretty beloved-ish movie. It it, def- it definitely has a, a solid cult following. Yeah, from what I was reading, I understand because, so here's the question, like, do I like this? I don't love it, but I also don't hate it because there was enough where I was like entertained by pieces of it it was like the last movie yeah i was was entertained i think that i probably just liked the original story before the comedy was added into it and if i just sort of tuned out the vietnam stuff which didn't really help the story at all Mm -hmm. i appreciated the special effects like the practical effects were fun they were silly and and wacky oh yeah but i like that thing just not like in this movie yeah, and that you know? is the big challenge, is, is if you knew going in, hey, this is a movie that's going to be horror, but then change it to comedy, and, you know, it might make the opening easier to go, okay, this was this was good and creepy, let's get silly now. Well, and I think that when you say horror comedy, it's different than what this movie wound up being. Because this movie wasn't, to me, like, it wasn't funny, is the problem. It wasn't comedy. It was like shticky. Okay. You know? So maybe that's where I'm like, I'm not saying the right thing because I didn't expect it at all. I was totally blindsided by it and it annoyed me. And there were so many little parts that didn't need to be in it. And that annoyed me too. It slowed it down so much. Like this movie could have lost like a half hour and it would have been totally fine. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? All right. Uh, for me, do I like this movie? Yeah. It's fine. I, I don't... Hey, listen, if you have to watch it, you're not going to be miserable. As with most of our movies, yeah. don't watch it Don't watch it alone. Yeah, this one suffered from us not watching it together. I think I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it did. I think um, it would have been the same experience. I, I actually... I don't know. I, I get a kick out of when you get annoyed at stuff, so I think I, I missed a little bit of this well, movie. Well, I think, I think my talking to my notes gave me a little bit of that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so I actually like enjoyed the process a little bit. Whereas if I ever have to watch them alone, I don't usually love the mm. process of it, but it was it was fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I agree. W- watch it with friends. Um you could do you could do way worse. Um, yeah, this is a good background movie. It's definitely like 80s like typical. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in my wheelhouse of 80s stuff that I just love. Um, so there you have it. House, 1985. Yeah, it happened. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find all our socials uh, in the episode notes. Uh, our episodes are also up on YouTube. Um, they're cu- running a couple days behind when it drops. So, you know, expect it the weekend after this episode releases. 
please rate review us on Apple, Spotify, wherever it's possible. Subscribe. Um, it really means a lot to us, helps us out. We really appreciate it so much. Yeah, I actually forgot again to look up that nice person who left us a really nice review. Um, so I'm looking it up right now. Give me just a second. Yeah, I'll just I'll edit it in. Princess Erdness? I don't know, but she left a really nice review. So thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you need to do, share, tell your friends. Um, we have really like lovely support and lots of awesome listeners, and uh, we just appreciate all of you. We got fun stuff coming up soon. Uh, next week, I think we're doing our mainstream monthly. And we may have a special guest. We may indeed. We'll keep you in suspense. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Hey.